The Democrat Plan to Steal the 2024 Election, Part 2. Mr. Reagan. Six months ago, I produced a video called The Democrat Plan to Steal 2024. And in that video, I predicted that the Democrat Plan to Steal 2024 would be quite simply to remove Donald Trump from the ballot in every Democrat-controlled state and, more importantly, in every swing state. Many months ago, I proposed a theory on this show. This theory seemed pretty crazy, but I thought that it was important enough to present it to you. This theory was so wild that even I myself was skeptical of it. My theory was that the Democrats had a plan to accuse Donald Trump of crimes in which the consequence of being convicted carried with it a stipulation that the convicted criminal become ineligible to run for public office. That is, the crimes that the Democrats were accusing Donald Trump of committing all would disqualify him from running for president. Every false accusation was specifically formulated to stop Donald Trump from ever becoming president ever again. I believe that the Russian collusion lie was an attempt to disqualify Trump from being president. I think that the quid pro quo lie about the phone call to Vladimir Zelensky was also an attempt to disqualify Donald Trump from running for president. The January 6th incitement of insurrection accusation was obviously an attempt to disqualify Donald Trump from running for president. None of us had ever even heard the term insurrection before January 6th. Suddenly, it was being used by every so-called journalist in America to describe what happened. Why not just call it a Why not call it a revolt? Well, it's because of this very specific law in America, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And this little bit of text cites incitement of insurrection as a crime. And if you're convicted of that crime, there's a stipulation attached that you would then be disqualified from ever running for public office. That's the reason why they were using the word insurrection. They were trying to condition the American people to associate Donald Trump with that crime. And even the raid on Mar-a-Lago, the accusation that Donald Trump inappropriately took documents from the White House, that was also an attempt to disqualify Trump from becoming president again. And the reason I know that the documents accusation was made specifically for that purpose is that Mark Elias, a lawyer for Hillary Clinton, tweeted about this specifically. He let the cat out of the bag. He couldn't keep it to himself. He had to brag about it. And by doing so, he exposed their plot. And it was because of that tweet that I started to connect the dots. I realized that the Democrats had conducted a a meeting at some point. They probably wrote down on a whiteboard a list of crimes that they knew would disqualify Trump from ever running for president. Again, they probably had a bunch of law students, you know, flipping through law books, trying to find anything that they could that would potentially disqualify Trump from becoming president. So they made up their list and they started going through it. And they started trying to accuse Trump of everything on that list. Now, the reason that I was so skeptical of my own theory is that in order to capitalize on these accusations, the Democrats would actually have had to indict Donald Trump for these crimes. They would have had to try him in a court of law for these crimes. And at the time, I wasn't convinced that Democrats would be willing to be so openly corrupt. Now, of course, we know. My crazy theory was right. And Democrats are willing to be openly and obviously corrupt. And it was because I was so spot on about that that I am now convinced that I am totally correct about my new theory. And keep in mind, this is just speculation. But as I said, I have been proven right about everything up to this point. So I think it's a pretty safe bet that I'm right about this next bit as well. Now, convicting Donald Trump of the crimes of which he is currently accused will be a simple task for corrupt Democrats. You just need a corrupt judge, you need a jury of Democrat voters, maybe bribe or blackmail some jurors, and boom, Trump is convicted. Easy peasy. However, there is a problem with this plan. We currently have a Supreme Court that is controlled 
by a conservative majority. If Donald Trump is illegitimately convicted of a crime, it is almost certain that such a conviction would be overturned on appeal. I can even imagine a scenario in which the Supreme Court takes up a case within like a day and overturns it. Now, it's the District of Columbia. 90 some odd percent of the jury pool will have voted against them. So they may actually get a conviction from a D.C. jury. But will it survive appellate review and review to the Supreme Court? I do not think so. Now, I'm not a legal expert. I can't explain how all the details of this might work. But we all know that these indictments against Donald Trump are totally fraudulent. This is political persecution of the worst kind. I have total confidence that a conservative Supreme Court would be able to overturn corrupt convictions easily in each case. But this begs the question, what would the Democrat strategy be if the Supreme Court is able to overturn these convictions and Donald Trump is able to run for president again? Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but recently the left wing media has become obsessively focused on judicial ethics. In particular, they have accused Clarence Thomas of accepting lavish gifts from friends, which they claim constitutes a violation of judicial ethics. They are calling for all kinds of consequences, including just ignoring any judicial rulings that the Democrats don't like. I believe that the Biden administration should ignore uh, this ruling. The interesting thing when it comes to a ruling is that it relies on enforcement and it is up to the Biden administration to enforce to choose whether or not to enforce such a ruling. If they cannot coerce the Supreme Court to do their bidding, then I believe that their defamation of the court, their accusations that the court is corrupt, this will become a justification for Democrat-run states to remove Donald Trump's name from the ballots in the next presidential election. I believe that this is their endgame. Elections are won and lost in the purple states, in the swing states, the battlegrounds, the toss-ups. And in the swing states that Democrats control, if Trump is removed from the ballots, this would determine the outcome of the election. If Democrats decide to go forward with this plan, if they pull Donald Trump's name off the ballots in the states that they control, they will effectively remove Donald Trump's name from the ballots in all of the swing states in 2024, ensuring a victory for Joe Biden. Well, it looks like once again, I was absolutely right. Here is a map that the New York Times made of every state in which Democrats are actively trying to remove Donald Trump from the presidential ballot. This time around, Democrats are openly and obviously trying to steal the election. But I think this might actually be a good thing. Okay, so let's go ahead and read this article from the New York Times. The uh, article was first written maybe a month or so ago, uh, but they keep updating it to reflect the current situation. And as you can see, the situation is pretty crazy. All right, so here, this is from the New York Times. They write, Formal challenges to Donald J. Trump's presidential candidacy have been filed in at least 35 states, according to a New York Times review of court records and other documents. Mr. Trump was disqualified from the primary ballots in Colorado and in Maine, but he has appealed and is likely to appear on ballots in both states. The U.S. Supreme Court is scheduled to hear oral arguments in the Colorado appeal on February 8th, uh, which is, I think, from the time of this recording, that actually should be today. So, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe I should update this video tomorrow? I don't know. I'm going to put it out. I don't care. In a case that could determine Donald Trump's eligibility for the ballot nas- nationally. Now, here's the thing about that, right? Um, in my previous video, and I still believe this is true, I predicted that the Democrats... If the Supreme Court basically said that Donald Trump is, in fact, eligible to run for president, which they, of course, will 
uh, rule. I mean, they, they have to rule that because, of course, I predicted and I still predict that Democrats will actually ignore the ruling of the Supreme Court and they will just try to take him off the ballots Anyway, um, I think that there will be secretary of state in each state, uh, maybe legislatures, maybe maybe governors. I'm not sure who will think that they have the power to do this, but there will be Democrat operatives in each of these states, especially the swing states where they have in every swing state except Georgia, they have a Democrat secretary of state. So in each of these states, somebody will try to assert the authority that they believe they have to try to take Donald Trump off the ballot even if the Supreme Court rules that he is, in fact, eligible, which they inevitably will. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I will have to update this video. The ballot challenges focus on whether Mr. Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election defeat make him ineligible to hold the presidency again. Those cases are based on a largely untested clause of a constitutional amendment enacted after the Civil War that disqualifies government officials who engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding office. Of the 35 states where challenges have been filed, uh, President Biden carried 22 in 2020 and Mr. Trump carried 13. Mr. Trump also won a single electoral vote in Maine, which splits its votes by a congressional district. But I mean, it's ridiculous. Of course, there was no insurrection. Of course, Trump did not engage in insurrection. So even, I mean, they're acting as if this is just untested law. That is, uh, we've not really had any cases in which um, this law has been applied in the modern era. And therefore, we have to go through the Supreme Court to determine whether or not this uh, applies to a sitting president today in this kind of circumstance. But the problem, of course, is there was no insurrection. Donald Trump did not engage in any kind of insurrection. So the whole idea is insane anyway. I mean, it's not maybe if in one of these show trials, Donald Trump had been convicted of something related to insurrection. Okay, then maybe they would have some kind of standing. But to take Donald Trump off the ballot because he's been accused of insurrection by his political enemies and the media I mean, there's no there's no case there at all. I mean, it's insane. I don't even understand how they would even try this, what their expectation is going into the Supreme Court. Of course, Supreme Court is going to be like, this is nonsense. Of course they are. And if not, okay, we know Supreme Court is compromised. The Colorado Supreme Court and Maine's Secretary of State, Shenna Bellows, each found Mr. Trump ineligible under that provision. Mr. Trump, who is leading in Republican primary polls, has appealed those decisions, and his campaign has described the attempt to remove him from the ballots as unconstitutional and anti-democratic. No kidding. A judge in Maine stayed Mr. Trump's disqualification and ordered Mrs. Miss Bellows, a Democrat, to revisit the issue after the U.S. Supreme Court rules on the Colorado case. Miss Bellows appealed the uh, judge's order, but her appeal was dismissed. Several judges have dismissed cases at the request of Donald Trump or uh, at the request of the person who filed the challenge. The Michigan and Minnesota Supreme Courts have each said Mr. Trump is eligible to appear on the primary ballots in those states. Well done to you, Michigan and Minnesota. And then they've got actually listed every single state and the situation that Donald Trump's going through. Alaska, challenge dismissed or rejected. Arizona, challenge unresolved. California, challenge unresolved. Colorado, Trump disqualified. Decision appealed. Connecticut, challenge dismissed or rejected. Delaware, challenge dismissed or rejected. Florida, challenge unresolved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they have like every state listed. So you can go to this website. This is uh, newyorktimes.com. Slash in. I mean, just look up Trump ballot removal map, New York Times, anywhere, and you can find this uh, on the Internet. Uh, it's quite a useful map. I quite like it. Uh, well done, New York Times, for putting this out there. I, you know, New York Times is a leftist organization, but occasionally they put out things that are actual facts. I don't know. 
it's like hit or miss with them, right? It's like the devil. Sometimes the devil tells the truth. Sometimes he lies to you. Just depends <laughs> on how he's trying to manipulate you. Sort of like Democrats. All right. So, of course, as I said, this is absurd. There was no so-called insurrection. Uh, the, the, I mean, the whole thing was obviously, as we all know, a psyop. There is, you know, I'm, I'm doing a different video about that. And Trump did not engage in insurrection this is all, of course, a corrupt effort to steal 2024. But as I said at the beginning of this video, all of this might be a good thing. Now, what did I mean by that? Well, Democrats used to hide their corruption. You remember that way back in uh, 2020? <laughs> they were very careful to obscure any kind of election rigging that they were engaged in. You know, we caught them out here and there, but for the most part, there's a lot of stuff that I think we still haven't figured out or we haven't caught or we haven't got the evidence for. So they were they were very, very careful to hide any kind of election rigging. Now, though, they are brazen. They are executing this their depraved machinations openly right before the eyes of the world. Even Vladimir Putin has called out Democrat corruption. People went into U.S. Congress with political demands. 400 people are now facing criminal charges. They are facing prison terms of up to 20, maybe 25 years. They are called homegrown terrorists. They are being accused of many other things. 70 people were arrested right there on the spot. On what grounds? Not quite clear. One of the participants, a woman, was shot dead on the spot. She was not threatening with, uh, you know, with arms or anything. Why am I bringing this up? Many people are facing the same things as we do. And I am stressing this. We are sympathizing with the United States, but we do not want the same thing repeating here. And trust me, Vladimir Putin, he knows the abuses of the state when he sees them. He is intimately familiar with this kind of stuff. And so this kind of brazen corruption, this kind of Soviet-era corruption, this indicates to me that Democrats, you know, and obviously the corrupt D.C. swamp dwellers, they're out of options. They can't cheat like they did in 2020. Everybody's afraid that they're going to cheat like they did in 2020. I don't think they can. I don't think those options are available to them. And so now what are they doing? They're resorting to whatever options they have left. And all they have left, it seems, is open and obvious corruption. You don't resort to being openly corrupt unless your secret corruption options are no longer available. So this is an indication, I think, that the kind of election reading that they did in 2020, they don't have the ability to do that this year. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think that they're just going to steal the election again? Or do you agree with me that, in fact, they may be out of options and they're desperate? Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. That's it for me. And remember, it's not that all liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. Mitch McConnell's role in the January 6th PSYOP. Mr. Reagan. It has been said by many that Mitch McConnell is a rhino. But why do people say this? Well, different people have different reasons. But my reason, 
is January 6th. On January 6th, Mitch McConnell betrayed Donald Trump. He betrayed the Trump supporters who were there at the Capitol on that day, and he betrayed America. As most of you know, on January 6th, both the Senate and the House had to meet to confirm the electoral votes that had been cast for Joe Biden. Many Republicans had pledged to, at these confirmation proceedings, demand that an audit commission be formed in order to investigate election irregularities, right? Many of us believe that there was fraud. Many many of us believe that the election was rigged. And so many Republicans said, let's demand an audit commission. And, you know, if there were no audit, then Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson, they had pledged that they were going to reject the Electoral College results. And look, this would have provided a platform from which Republicans could have been able to present the mountain of evidence of election fraud in 2020. And the nation would have heard about all this stuff and they could have then made an informed decision as to the validity of Trump's claims of election rigging. Now, naturally, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats did not want this. But a perhaps less obvious objector was Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell was a very vocal objector to this demand for an audit. Now, why the heck would Mitch McConnell be against the presentation of evidence of election fraud? Why would he be against delaying the confirmation of electors? All right, now for the record, I stole much of this story from Julie Kelly, who brilliantly reported on this in 2022. But I feel that nobody has really paid attention to this story, which is insane to me because it explains a lot of what happened on January 6th. And I think a lot of people still have questions about that day and about how things were set up. All right. So Mitch McConnell, who, as a top Republican, you would think would absolutely want claims of election fraud looked into, who you think would want to be absolutely sure that the Democrats won before conceding, this guy suddenly started fighting against Republicans. This is what he said to the Senate on January 6th about the confirmation vote while the protesters were gathered outside the Capitol on that day. We're debating a step that has never been taken in American history. Whether Congress should overrule the voters and overturn a presidential election. I've served 36 years in the Senate. This will be the most important vote I've ever cast. President Trump claims the election was stolen. The assertions range from specific local allegations to constitutional arguments to sweeping conspiracy theories. Every election we know features some illegality, but my colleagues, nothing before us proves illegality anywhere near the massive scale that would have tipped the entire election. The voters, the courts, and the states have all spoken. If we overrule them, it would damage our republic forever. This election actually was not unusually close. The electoral card college margin is almost identical to what it was in 2016. Congress will either override the voters, overrule them, the voters, the states, and the courts for the first time ever, or honor the people's decision. It would be unfair and wrong to disenfranchise American voters and overrule the courts and the states on this extraordinarily thin basis. 
And I will not pretend such a vote would be a harmless protest gesture while relying on others to do the right thing. I will vote to respect the people's decision and defend our system of government as we know it. That is not the speech of a man who wants to get to the truth. That is the speech of a man who wants everybody to just step in line and do what they're told. In 2021, the author Jonathan Barn interviewed Mitch McConnell for his book, This Will Not Pass, and Mitch McConnell's responses were truly bizarre. About January 6th, McConnell said, I feel exhilarated by the fact that Trump finally totally discredited himself. He said that Trump, quote, put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. He then claimed, apparently referring to Trump supporters from what I understand, he claimed that he'd, quote, crushed the sons of bitches and vowed to do the same in 2022. And indeed, McConnell sabotaged Republican efforts in 2022 with talk of a nationwide abortion ban, which galvanized Democrats. So, okay, Mitch McConnell is a deep state stooge. We all know that already. But here's the interesting thing about January 6th. McConnell, Pelosi, and Muriel Bowser, I wonder if she's related to the uh, Mario Brothers villain, must be, must be. These three people, they had the power to call in the National Guard, but they didn't. Not only did they neglect to do this before the protest, in spite of warnings from a variety of sources, accurate or not, that violence was planned, but even during the so-called insurrection, when senators and congressmen claimed that they were running for their lives, they still failed to do this. And Trump's people actually said, do you want National Guard troops? We will give you National Guard troops. And Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Muriel Bowser, these people were just like, nah, we're good, we're good. They later, of course, claimed that they were afraid for their lives, but they were just like, nah, we don't need the National Guard at the time, okay? There's something's, something's off there, obviously. It's almost like they wanted the protest to get out of hand. But why? Why would they want this? Well, a blog called the Conservative Treehouse, they put the pieces of the puzzle together, and their conclusions are, I think, pretty spot on. Let me read directly from the blog here. Uh, now, they asked a series of questions about January 6th relating to Mitch McConnell. And remember McConnell's speech? He did not want Congress to delay the certification of electoral votes. So he, this is going to be from the blog here. Question one, how do you prevent Congress from delaying the certification of state electoral votes? Answer, it requires a crisis, a crisis that creates an emergency, an emergency that invokes special house rules. So if you, you have the normal certification process, you can, of course, uh, demand this audit. You can, of course, uh, not certify the electoral votes. You can have all these kind of issues. Uh, apparently, during an emergency session, a lot of these rules of conduct and stuff, they go out the window and you just have like this straight vote. There's no debate. There's no argument that, you know, the, these emergency rules are a little bit different. So they, they continue here. Just moments, literally three minutes before two representatives issued a vote for motions to suspend the certification, the House members were informed by Capitol Police and other agents that a protest was about to breach the chambers. It was at this time that key people, Pelosi, uh, Pence, Schumer, McConnell, can be seen walked out and escorted from the chamber. This effectively halted the entire chamber process. Question two. Why was it necessary to halt the chamber process? Answer, the, the crisis was created to eliminate the motion challenges to halt the certification and to begin voting to look into voting irregularities and fraud. So the theory that these guys have uh, on this uh, blog here is that the crisis was created to eliminate the motion challenges to uh, look into uh, election fraud, right? Uh, to audit the, the entire election, essentially. Question three, what was so important to refuse this motion and subsequent votes to suspend the electoral certification? Answer, it was important to remove that process entirely and continue the fraud 
and certify the fraud with no detractors on record. This effectively gives no standing for a Supreme Court ruling appeal. If those two motions, even if just one had successfully been voted, even if the motions were denied in vote, this gives those who presented them with standing for a constitutional legal argument before the Supreme Court. I don't really know about this stuff. I'm not a lawyer, but apparently if they had been able to successfully just present those those motions uh, in Congress, then they would have, have, have had standing for a constitutional legal argument before the Supreme Court. So look, I don't know if this is right or not. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm I'm inclined to believe them. Any constitutional scholars out there, you may want to weigh in in the comment section below. Question four: Could this have been done some other way other than creating a crisis slash protest? Answer: Unlikely. In order to prevent those two motions, requires that the Speaker of the House, minority leaders, and the President of the Congress, uh, which is the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, to not be present in the chambers. Once the Capitol Police and other law enforcement agents inform the Speaker and and these three other individuals, Pelosi unilaterally, under emergency rules, suspended the business of Congress. This protest was necessary. The crisis was created because there was no other way to suspend the business of certification unilaterally. Creating a crisis invokes emergency procedures. No other circumstances other than war or <laughs> mass simultaneous explosive diarrhea could have created such a unilateral speaker-delivered suspension of the certification. Basically, what these guys are saying is that if this was the plan to stop these people from delaying the vote, uh, these Republicans, uh, then really they needed something this extreme, right, like an insurrection to be able to stop it. So this is why they think that this was planned. I'm not sure that this is why this was planned, but I think it's possible that this is that this plan for like this psyop for this, uh, you know, agitating the crowd and trying to create the illusion of an insurrection. Th- this argument could be what convinced Mitch McConnell to jump on board because From what they're saying, I am totally convinced that Mitch McConnell was in on the whole thing. Before this, I wasn't sure. I I didn't really know much about what Mitch McConnell's role would have been in this. I I didn't really understand what his motivation would have been. But it's very obvious that he did not want this vote delayed. He, He talked about it in his speech. So we know that he really didn't want this delay. So if he really didn't want it bad enough, it could have been motivation for him to jump on board to this insurrection illusion psyop. Question five, why did the motions, once the Speaker reconvened Congress, move forward back again to the floor votes? Why were members disallowed even to consider putting forward any motions to the floor when the chamber business was reopened? Answer, the Speaker initiated the new sessions under special emergency rules, as I said before. These rules make it clear that the only purpose of the new session was to expedite the certification and dismiss all prior regular session procedural rules. This is why... Uh, Those two motions to table votes in order to consider a debate and to pause the certification of state vote electors never happened later that evening when the House business was reconvened. So it's all about, you know, the emergency session. The emergency session, I guess, streamlines the process. And so you can't object. You can't uh, call for an audit. You can't do anything. You just have to basically just certify. That's it. And apparently these Republicans were convinced to go along with this. Or I, I don't know if they had a choice. You know, Pelosi just unilaterally made these choices and Republicans were just stuck, you know. Question six, other than new rules, emergency rules, what other peculiar things occurred when the speaker reconvened? Answer, members were allowed to vote in proxy, remotely, not being present. You can use your imagination about what conditions were placed on all members during this time to prevent anyone from getting out of line, right? So this is what I'm talking about. At this point, who knows who was talking to them? You know, who knows what they were told? Who knows what pressures were placed on them to just streamline the process and certify the electors and not, you know, cause any kind of a fuss? 
essentially what this guy's saying is it's possible that you know senators and congressmen were manipulated at this point privately, uh, either bribed or or uh, more likely threatened. Uh, they also write here also clearly. Uh, it was at this new session that VP Pence, president of the Congress, would have had no ability to even consider pausing the electoral certification because there were no motions of disagreement on the matter. So in a technical legal claim, he is correct that he had no constitutional authority to address any issue, issues of fraud or doubts about the election irregularities. But this completely dismisses the fact that Congress created rules in this crisis slash emergency that never allowed them to be floored. All right. So this is how this guy sums up his whole case here. He says um, this was a coup. It was a very organized and carefully planned coup. VP Pence, without a doubt, as well as most members of the House, were quite aware of how the certification was going to be managed. It would require new rules to prevent the debate clause from occurring. So this guy thinks even Mike Pence was in on this. These new rules that only an emergency crisis could create. So they created an emergency. And you know what? I think this guy is right. All of this makes a lot of sense. I have always believed that the January 6th PSYOP was devised as a way to demonize Trump and to demonize Trump supporters. But primarily, I have always believed that it was intended as a way to stop Trump from ever running for president again. You know, he was involved in an insurrection. The Constitution says he can't run for president again. Like, this is why they kept using the word insurrection. And look, I still believe that all of those things were true. I think they had multiple motivations for this PSYOP. However, this, this breakdown, this breakdown of the rules of Congress provides a more immediate motivation for Pelosi and McConnell. It provides the motivation I didn't know about to have called this emergency session. So, yeah, I do think that this is right. I think that this so-called insurrection, it solved a lot of problems for Pelosi and McConnell and the rest of deep state. And this is why it is so critical that we get Donald Trump back in the White House. We have to cut out the rotten cancer in Washington, D.C. That is the corrupt deep state. All right, well, that's it for me. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. And remember, it's not that the liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. We're at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind in his long climb from the swamp to the stars. And it's been said if we lose that war and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth.